Well, good morning. <laughs> Y'all are really ready this morning. <laughs> Glad you're here with us. Uh, super excited for you to get to know, if you don't know this family, Tim and Andrea Ullum, one of our commended missionaries here at the chapel. And, and you know, lots of people ask the question, what about those who have never heard, who live on the other side of the world? And if you've ever wrestled with that question, I'd love for you to uh, talk to this gentleman right here because it's part of what God has worked in his and Andrea's life of answering the question of what about those who've never heard the gospel. Tim, share with us. to be here with you this morning. Uh, Tim and Andrea Ullum, you see the rest of the crew there on the, in the picture. If you were here first hour, you would have seen them live uh, up front. It's wonderful for us to be able to be back here. Uh, we work with an organization called Ethnos 360 or New Tribes Mission w among the least reached peoples of Asia Pacific, Indonesia, Malaysia area. I love this uh, next picture up on the wall. It reminds me 17 years ago, 18 years this year, when the body here at Christian Family Chapel laid hands on us and said, we believe God's call on your life to communicate the good news in the least reached parts of the world and prayed for us and sent us out. Two things that come to mind with that and when we look at this picture, we remember it wasn't just kind of going out on our own, but that this was actually part of what God was doing and having a body of believers here send us out. A lot the same way like Paul and Barnabas had Antioch send them out when they went out for the first time. It also reminds us that there's a, a family behind us this morning when we came in for a first hour, I really had that feeling like after a long journey, you, you make it home and you just have kind of that, ah, I'm home. And there's different things that uh, bring that for us and being here this morning was that. So although we've been gone for lots of years and there's lots of you that we don't know yet, we look forward to being here for a couple months to, to get reconnected and to, to get to know some of you. This next picture is a moment that I will never forget. It was after 10 years of working on language and culture, preparing the biblical story in the heart language of a group of people in Indonesia. We got to begin telling them that story. And if you look at those faces, you're gonna see uh, different expressions, confusion maybe, boredom even, <laughs> uh, disinterest, but that's actually not what's happening there. It wasn't until several months later when the guys had heard the gospel and many of them would come back to us now as believers and what their testimony was is, I'm not afraid anymore. The expression that you see on their face for many of them is fear. Not fear of going to hell because they didn't know about that and didn't believe in that, but fear of the spirits that would afflict afflict them and also fear of not knowing the truth. See, darkness and light, being in the dark, not knowing the truth, and then being brought into the light and knowing what they believe, having heard it in their own language. So that's, that is part of the, the ministry that we've been able to share together with Christian Family Chapel and you guys putting your hands on us 17 years ago and sending us out. So we're just so grateful to be back and we would love to connect with you and talk more about what God's doing there. So if you'd like to hear more of our story or just know what's going on in Borneo, God's doing all kinds of stuff there. We'd love to connect with you. We have a booth out in the back um, under the Impact Gazebo. We send out some email updates and also prayer requests updates. So if you'd like to sign up for that and kind of walk with us, walk that path with us, we'd love to connect with you that way. And coffee, food, meals, we're loving all that here in America. So if you wanna do any of that, we'd love to do that as well. Thanks. All right, really great to have them with us. <laughs> Yeah, 
now it really is phenomenal to think uh, as you looked at that picture of them gathered, that, that folks who hearing the story of God expressed in Jesus. Uh, made me wonder if I took a picture of y'all and we sent it to their church, what would they see in your faces on a typical <laughs> Sunday morning? Think about that. Um, <laughs> actually, you know, one of the great privileges we have is being a part of making God's name known to the ends of the earth. So uh, Tim and Andrew will be here for about six months. And I wanna simply say that uh, if you are not connected with someone who is taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, we would commend them to you for partnership, for prayer. They really do send out awesome updates in terms of very current prayer requests of what's going on in their little church, in their village, with their family. Can, can you imagine uh, having four young ones uh, in that environment, what day-to-day -day living must entail? So I really encourage you to pray for them. We're blessed to be a part of what God is doing through them. So, so Tim described that this is like coming home and that, ah, and that's what lots of us feel here, but uh, for some of you, you're brand new, and so we want to welcome you if this is your first time. Uh, we invite any who are new to take the Connect card that's in front of them. If you want to grab one of those and if you'd be willing to fill that out as much as you're comfortable, it'd way for us to know that you are here. If you have a prayer request, any of you have something that you would like us to pray for, please feel free to fill that out and drop it on the boxes on the way out. Or if you're brand new, go over to our, our coffee shop right across the driveway over here to the table. And there you can get a free cup of coffee and an opportunity to meet some of our staff who may be able to help you feel like, oh, what would it mean for this place to be home? Because, uh, you know, what we really long for each of you is not this, that you would attend a worship service, but that you would experience the church as a community. And you can't really have community with 400 people. So a place where, whether it's in a class or a family group or serving in some way, where you might get connected and find community with 10 or 12 or 14 other people, that's what the Lord has in mind for his church. So we want to invite you into that. If we can help you in that journey at all, that would be our great privilege. We do have a chilly chow down, by the way, uh, after third hour. So if you're visiting, we welcome you to come to the chilly chow down. If this is, if you're a regular attender and you signed up, we invite you to come. If you're a regular attender and you didn't sign up, you should have. That's, that's all I can say about that. All right, so to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, we have been looking, and very intently so, and I hope this will be reinforced in your thinking again this morning, we have been looking at the God of creation. It's very easy to look at creation and get stuck on loving what God created instead of loving the God who created it. And so in every week, our attempt in these opening chapters of creation is to see God for who he is as he's revealed himself in creation. Thus far, the God of creation has been revealed in this way, that he is, that something exists declares that he is because something cannot come from nothing. And so our God, the everlasting God, is the one who brought all that we see into existence because he was before there were mountains. He was before there was a heaven and an earth. And those heaven and earth, all that he created declared he is glorious. The vastness, he's glorious. The detail, he's glorious. The design of the human body, the design of creation, the design of the universe, Wow, he is and he is glorious. And then last week we looked at the fact that, that the work of our God was threefold in creation. First, he creates, that is, he spoke into existence. Then, after speaking the heavens and earth, then he formed. And in the forming, we see that God gives us the incredible gift of Predictability and variety. 
because our God, we said last week, our God is forever faithful. He is eternally predictable, but he is also wonderfully unpredictable. He will always do what he said. We just don't always know how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, and through whom he's going to do it. And so maybe you had a surprise this week and you're like, whoa, didn't see that one coming, God. But that he was faithful. We can always count on. We declared it in song this morning. I hope you captured it. I love that song that we sang, Mercy. Because I feel like when I'm singing that, I feel like, I mean, I, I, I must sound exactly like Matt. I know I don't, but, but it's, it's one of those songs where you just want to declare, where, where you're not like singing like big time, I was. And I'm like, oh man, I love this. And, and, but more than that, what did it say about God's mercy? How predictable is it? As predictable as the sunrise. Just think about that, friends. Sometimes you ask yourself, Will God be merciful this time? You didn't ask yourself when you got up, I think think the sun will rise this morning. That's the gift of God to remind you. His mercies are new every morning, straight out of the scripture. Great is his faithfulness. As great as what? Uh, He demonstrated it. See the sunrise, remember, that's my mercy. That's my faithfulness, that predictable. That's the goodness of God. So he formed and then he fills. And that's where we stopped last week with him filling what he had formed. The stars, the sun, the moon, the birds, the fish. And then day six, the animals. But we stopped just short. We didn't finish day six last week. We're going to pick up day six, verse 26 of Genesis 1. Follow along with me, please. If you have a Bible, turn there. If not, it'll be up here for you to follow along. Verses 1, chapter 1, 26 through the end of the chapter. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And then he finishes. God saw all that he had made and behold it was, say it with me, very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So we see in these final verses in chapter one that the culmination of God filling that which he had formed, which he had created, is you and I, mankind. And here's what we learn about his creation of us. First, that he made us male and he made us female. Now, I've been reminded recently that that I've been teaching now the Bible for 33 years. Crazy. And I remember first starting out thinking, why, why would you say created male and female? Duh, obviously. But wow, it's like God knew what we would do. And so he goes out of his way to declare clarity in a time where confusion would be. Because right now, there's not clarity with gender. There's gender confusion Teenagers literally go online and take gender tests to figure out what gender are they. And I'm not making fun of this. This is, this is very real and a difficult path for some folks. And a junior high girl recently, parents shared with me, she took the test and determined she was gender fluid. In other words, it was still being decided. I'm not oversimplifying when I say God has answered this question for us. 
Our gender is not based on desire. Our gender is not based on what we prefer. Our gender is not even based on what we do. Our gender is clear and simple based on how God made us. He made you male or he made you female. There was no confusion for Adam and Eve. It says later in chapter two, they were naked and unashamed. So it was clear to them, you're different than me. As they got to know one another, I'm sure they discovered beyond the physical body differences that there was even some differences between how they related, male and female. But that which is unmistakable is you are defined, your gender, by how you're made, by how God created you either male or female. So how did we get here? Have you ever asked yourself that? How did we get here? And this isn't the full reason, but one of the reasons we got here is because from a human standpoint, we like to create generalizations. We like to fit into categories. And so we defined male beyond more than just how God physically made us, and we start to go, well, guys, guys do this, and guys think this, and guys like this, and then females do this, and females like this, and females prefer this. And so lots of us grew up with this, well, men don't cry. And you can go on and on. But what happens when a man goes, well, no, I actually have lots of tender tears. And they're, Mom, don't be a man. It starts to be confusing. Professor from the Midwest spoke in chapel up at Columbia last year in this issue, and he told the story of being in the, on campus in Kansas and a junior college student getting to know this professor going, I'd like to have lunch with you because I just can't figure out, figure out who are you? They sat down and he said, here's what, I mean, come on, prof, you don't like athletics, you don't like sports, and you don't like trucks, Kansas. You don't like trucks and you don't like sports. Who are you? What are you about? And he said, well, you know, actually, I enjoy museums, I enjoy the arts, I enjoy that sort of thing. And the guy goes, what are you, gay? See what happened. If you don't fit man-made categories, then you begin to ask yourself, well, is there something wrong with me? And I want you to very simply hear, those are man-made categories. God made you male or female. It's not something that you have to be confused about. You may have to learn how to live out your unique preferences and desires under God's word according to who you are, but there does not to me to be gender confusion. It's really as simple as what did God make you? Now that might seem obvious, but it's not obvious to a world that has lost God made them, male and female. It's how we were made, not our desires, not our preferences, not our actions. Second, God made us to be fruitful and to multiply. God made us to be fruitful and to multiply. Obviously, can I just state that, that, that you have to be, have male and female in order to be fruitful and multiply. Adam and Adam can't be fruitful and multiply. Eve and Eve can't be fruitful and multiply. So there is male and female. Partly, we'll see more in a moment, but partly to be fruitful and multiply. 
to have children for procreation purposes. Now, what I want you to not miss though is how that is introduced in verse 28. Look at what he says before he says to them, be fruitful and multiply in verse 28. It says, God blessed them and said to them. You know what I take from that? Children are an incredible blessing from God. You believe that? See, every once in a while, I run into, even in the church, the cultural mindset that, well, two children are a blessing from the Lord, but beyond that, how are you gonna pay for them? I, I, got, I ran into that here in our lobby, in our workroom when we were expecting our six and somebody stopped me and said, how are you gonna pay for all their college? And I said, well, actually, I don't have a Bible verse that tells me I'm responsible to pay for their college. <laughs> Seriously, but I do have a Bible verse that says, children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. So I'm gonna go with that one. Don't, don't please, don't take on this interpretation from our culture about kids. Take God's word for it. Consider it a blessing. Are they expensive? Whew, yes. But good. <laughs> that man's never said amen in his entire life, probably. <laughs> Just play it. <laughs> yes, there. He said that for his kids. Amen. As he looked. <laughs> hey, it is. And it, you know what that is? It's simply an opportunity for you to experience the provision of the Lord. So don't shrink back and interpret what God said is a blessing and think, well, I don't, I don't want to be blessed too much. I mean, who says that? Well, I don't want to be blessed too much. Oh, we want to be blessed. So see children as a blessing from the Lord. Now he says in verse 29, then God said, behold, I've given you every animal that is on the surface of all the earth and every fish which fills the sea, it shall be food for you. Except that's not what it says. That's what I wish it says. That's not, this is why I encourage you to bring your Bible and actually read out of your Bible. That is not what verse 29 says. It does not say every animal and every fish for food for you. Here's what it says. Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. So if you were here a couple weeks ago, I said I had a thought that I didn't know what I thought about now. And here is the, the true, just honest recognition. You and I were made to eat plants and trees. We don't believe that, Doc. Now, let me, let me finish. Does the New Testament and the Old Testament repeatedly say we can eat meat? Okay, if you're not sure of the answer to that, yes, it does. Did Jesus eat meat? Yes. In fact, the central feast, the Passover feast to Jewish culture involves the eating of meat. Nevertheless, when Adam and Eve were first created in the garden, what were they given for food? Plants and fruits. You and I were made to eat that. I was like, oh man. So I bring it up in staff. And one of the staff members says, oh please don't tell me now you're gonna say there's no meat in heaven. And then they start, oh, well, there might not be animals, but God will make like then a rib plant. <laughs> or a chicken tree, or a beef orchard. Will there be meat in heaven? Well, there'll be, this, is a, this is a genuine problem about meat in heaven. There's no death. 
To which a guy tells me this weekend, he was here Thursday night, and he goes, well, hadn't you heard about the guy who had the three-legged pig? Okay, one person, got it. <laughs> In other words, he had meat, didn't kill it. Ha-ha, uh-huh. we could just have him be filled with a bunch of three-legged animals. Silliness. And so, here's what I've realized. I have complete freedom to eat meat now. And you better eat it up now because there's not any in heaven, so eat up now. No, here's my thought. The recognition that I think, man, no meat in heaven? is a recognition of an unbelievably low view, small view of God. That somehow that I would be in a new body, in a new heaven, on a new earth, with God himself among us, and go, salad bar only? What a, what a horribly low view of God. And, and yet again, I find myself going, see, this is because I have not thought about the God of creation fully. That, that when I get, now, this, this is weird. Maybe this is weird to you. But it helps me go, that I won't miss meat in heaven as much as I love it now on earth tells me, God is going to be even greater than I can imagine. That I'll be so connected to him that I won't miss me. Now, maybe that's weird to you. But take it, take what you think you love about this planet, what you love about life, and go, if you're afraid that, oh, what's that? What if that's not going to be true in heaven? Then... That's a reflection of, man, I don't get God yet in all of his greatness. <laughs> that being with him, I won't miss me. Years ago, we're on a ski slope in Colorado riding up. This guy asked me, he says, think there'll be snow skiing in heaven? I don't know. But if there's not, will you miss it? Do you get my point? People go, is my pet going to be in heaven? And this is thin ice because people, you don't send their pet to heaven. Woo! Here, here's what I can tell you. If they're not, you won't miss them. And if you think you will, then you're like me with me. We think too small, too small of God. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's unbelievable that I would somehow think the stuff that's going to be good here, if it's not there, I'll miss it. God forgive me for going, well, I look forward to being with you, Lord, but will there be meat? What's wrong? You, know, you get it? So this has been so, when I first had the thought, I didn't know what to think about that thought. And now I am so grateful that I've had the thought that God has made me to eat this because it reminds me that that which I love is minuscule and really nothing compared to who he is. And a meatless heaven makes me love him more, not less. And he made us to engage in work. says, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. I just want to repeat again, we talked about this in Thessalonians. Friends, work is not a result of sin. It's not a consequence of sin. Toil, toil, futility in our work, that's a consequence of sin. But work itself is a gift from God. It's part of 
what you and I were made to do. And if I could cause us all to think about if we just believed about work, what God believes about work, that it's good, it's what he does, and so we get to work, that we would go to work and be a blessing to our bosses and be a blessing to our coworkers because our goal would not be to get out of work or to do as little as possible or to leave as soon as I can or retire as soon as I can, but that I would see work as a gift from the Lord of which I am made to do and I'm gonna go do it as unto the Lord. Now that doesn't mean it has to be a paying job. There's a lot of folks who have retired from a paying job who still work. Don't think of the lack of work as, now that would be heaven. I'll take no meat if we don't have to work in heaven. <laughs> Actually, I think we'll probably work in heaven. We just won't toil with it. Wouldn't it be awesome to be productive without something breaking all the time? Wouldn't it be awesome to go, that job wasn't harder than I thought it was gonna be. Because every project you and I start, we go, God, this is worse than I thought it was gonna be. You know, I get into a plumbing thing and I'm like, ah. And then I call the plumber, how much would you charge me? And he tells me, and I'm like, okay, that helped me. Now I'll get back to it. <laughs> all I need to know is what they charge me and then I'm back in. <clears throat> But to be able to work, it's a gift from the Lord. But I want to acknowledge something. Look at what we've filled out so far. God made us male and female. God made us to be fruitful and multiply. God made us to eat from plants and trees. And God made us to engage in work. Don't miss this. That, those are all gifts from the Lord, but they do not represent what it means to be human. Because all of four of those things apply to the animal kingdom as well. Right? Male and female, fruitful and multiply, eat plants, that's what it says right in the verse, and engage in work. Man, the scripture itself takes the ant and says to the sluggards, <laughs> lazy people, look at the ant, they work. So what is it to be distinctly human? So I'll put it into two categories. Uh, everything I've said uh, from the scriptures is true about who we are, and yet it doesn't capture the best about who we are. What makes us uniquely human is that we are created, and we're gonna unpack this, we are created in the image of God. No other animal, no other fish, no other bird was created in the image of God. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what does it mean that we are created in the image of God? Charles Ryrie, lots of you know that name, said the image of God in which man was created includes the totality of his being as living, intelligent, determining, and moral. And that's true. Except here's the struggle. The more we get to know God and the more we understand how we are created in the image of God, we wrestle with, are those all the buckets? Does that capture it? And so a guy named Wayne Gruden take a, takes a different approach. He says, instead of trying to establish all the different ways we're in the image of God, he said, let's just define the words. Image and likeness mean this, similar but not identical to the thing that it represents. So there's two key thoughts in image and likeness. First, the fact that we are created in the image of God is representative of the fact that we are like him but not identical to him. Because we're created in the image of God doesn't make us God. But we are like him as, if you use Ryrie's definition, in living and intelligent and determining and moral, but we're not identical to him. But what captures better is this, that likeness has this idea of representing. That when we are created in the image of God, we are created like him in order to represent 
him. And friends, don't miss this. It is in how you were made that you have your calling. It's that you were made in the image of God, like him, not identical to him, like him. It's in how you were made that you have your calling. And what is your calling? To be his representative. You and I, because we're made in his image, we are made to represent God on earth. Like no animal, like no bird, like no fish, like nothing else in creation. It can declare his glory, but everything else in creation declares his glory. We represent him on earth. So regardless of your occupation, you understand, not just me, not just Tim as a missionary, whatever you do, wherever you go, because you are created in the image of God, you have a defined calling to represent him. That would people would see in you the mind of God, the heart of God, the life of God, the morality of God. You can't get that in a lizard or a monkey or a sheep. You can only get it in human. Why? Because only we, this is what makes us human. Only we are created in the image of God. And this is so important that we capture that male and female created in the image of God. Now, why is that so important? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the scripture reveals our God to be what we would define as the Trinity, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All co-eternal and all co-equal. So three, but one. Now watch. When he creates mankind, he doesn't just create a man. He creates a man in his image and a woman in his image. Because God is re represented in plurality, in unity. And the image of God could not be represented by male only or female only. Second, within the Godhead, within the Trinity, the scripture is clear, the Holy Spirit's role is to glorify the Son, and the Son's role is to glorify the Father. And so then he created in his image, not one, but plurality in one, male and female, and as there is distinct roles within a co-equal, co-eternal Godhead, there are distinct roles within male and female, within the local church and within the family unit. It's part of how we were created in his image. If it's only male created in his image and not female, then we have a male-dominated, women-demeaning society. But men and women, both created in the image of God because God is three in one. Is it demeaning that a wife is to submit to her husband? No, it's a reflection of the Godhead as the son submits to the father. See the beauty of God in creation? He's like, I'm gonna show who I am by creating man. I mean, every other animal, sweet, awesome, really interesting, but I don't create man in my image. Two, plurality in unity and co-equal, but distinct role. 
marvelous what God did when he created you. In a sentence, the God of creation uniquely made mankind, male and female, to represent him on earth. That might seem so obvious to you, but understand, that's why you were made in his image to represent him. So that, yes, in his image, people would get a sense of the mind of God. Did you hear this? The life of God, the heart of God, the morality of God, the determining of God. By experiencing you. How you're made determines your calling, whatever you do occupationally. Which is fundamentally why. See, for me, I don't need to engage in a scientific argument regarding evolution and creation. I simply theologically have to, well, don't have to, theologically am fully convinced I am not a human animal. I am of a completely distinct and different kind. God has made me different than anything else he made. He made me human in his image. And so I just can't be the smartest, fittest animal of the current age. So theologically, I'm human. Theologically, I'm made by God. Male, and theologically made by God, some of you, female, to reflect and represent him on earth. This is why, this is why, that when he formed us, he breathed into us life. See, this didn't happen for any other creature. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Yes, the animals, yes, the birds, yes, the fish, they are living beings, but we are living beings who have been given the breath of God because we are his representatives. And we are his representatives in a very specific way. God blessed them, verse 28, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You understand? Well, what is our, part of our role in fulfilling our calling? Ruling and subduing. Why us? Because he is the sovereign ruler over all the earth and universe and galaxies. And he said, I'm going to make you in my image to represent me. And so I am delegating you to represent me as ruler and subduer of this physical world. Isn't that awesome? That's why we are given responsibility to rule and to do because we're in the image of God and he is see we're like we're not identical we are created to rule this is the uniqueness of being human made in his image breathed into us the breath of life to rule over the physical world but understand it's under God's authority right it's under his authority. Romans 13 says this, for there is no authority except from God and those which exist are, are established by God. When did that begin? Genesis 1. It began with, Adam, I'm going to establish you. Mankind is ruler. Now, do we have governing authorities, ruling authorities in our day who are established by God? Because there isn't any, there isn't any authority that is not established by him. Do we have 
rulers and governing authorities who are established by him but don't honor him? Yeah, big time. How'd that happen? Here's how that happened. The Lord planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Verse 9, out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they drop down and we get after the location of the garden. Verse 16, the Lord commanded the man saying from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. See, God gave to mankind delegated authority to rule under his authority. But in doing so, then and to this day, we have the opportunity to either believe God and live, right? This is what, for Adam and Eve, to, to believe God and continue to live, or go our own way and die. We'll get more into it in chapter three. But all who have delegated authority don't believe and therefore live. They go their own way and they experience the death that separates. Let's see if I could have every one of your eyes, please. The fact that you are made by God in his image. Why? To represent him on this earth means that you were made for relationship with God. You were made to live in relationship with him. But all of us have tried to find life outside of him. I don't know what you tried to find life in outside of God, but every single one of us try to find life outside of God. Ultimately, that's what happened with Adam and Eve. They tried to find life outside of God. And we, like them, all of us have tried to find life outside of God. But friends, you were made for life with God. Your calling is in your making. But only those who believe him live. That was what he said to Adam and Eve. You can believe me and live or you can not believe me and die. In 2020, that same principle goes like this. You and I have sinned. We have not believed. And because we haven't believed, the penalty for our sin, just like then, is death. That though we were made for relationship with God, our sin has broken it and we have died. No, physically alive, but spiritually dead. But because we were made for relationship with God, he sent his son, Jesus to take your penalty and my penalty through his death on the cross. And says to you today, just like he said to Adam and Eve then, if you'll believe, this time, not in a tree, but in Jesus, you'll live. Are you too smart to believe in God? Too skeptical to believe in God? Too happy to believe in God? Too busy to believe in God? So many different reasons that people go, no, I don't buy that. Good friend of mine, I just reject the fact that he 
put a tree that made him choose. I can't believe in a God like that. I don't know what you wrestle with, but here's, here's the good news. You were made in the image of God, either male or female. You were made in the image of God. And therefore, you were made for relationship with him. And though you have disobeyed and are spiritually dead, you can believe and live. That's the beauty of being human. People ask crazy questions like, if you could be an animal, what animal would you like to be? None. I don't want to be any animal. I would like to be a dog so I could just sit around and sleep. Seriously? I have zero interest in being a dog or any other animal. We are unbelievably blessed to be made in the image of God, to be human, because as humans, we can live in relationship with God. That's the gift of being man, male or female. You only live if you believe. So let me invite you. Bow with me. And there, in the quietness of your seat, give you an opportunity to recognize, maybe like you have never before, that you were made for a relationship with God. You weren't sure if you could believe him, but this morning you want to declare God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that, that I can't find life apart from you. I've tried and come up empty. And there's an emptiness in your heart that you just can't fill and it can't be filled for, by anything or anyone other than God himself. It's because of how you've been made. Would you admit God, I need you. I believe in your son, Jesus, to be my savior so that you would fill me. Fill me with yourself so that I could live as you made me to live. I could be human as you intended human to be. Father, thank you for the invitation to believe Thank you for the incredible privilege to be human and to live. I pray that we would walk out these doors with a fresh zeal and desire and intentionality to really live, to represent you on this planet. To the praise of your glory and the fullness of our joy in Christ's name, amen. God bless you. If we can pray with you in any way, there's men and women available, always available to pray with you. Thanks for coming.